so significant. And so really, Charles has been a father to the circuit riders from the beginning. And to this whole you know, movement on college campuses, he's just been such a massive encouragement. So could you guys give a massive circuit rider welcome for Charles as he comes to share with us? Thank you, Andy. All right, you guys. Uh, well, I'll try not to disappoint you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know, you know, I mean, I really love you guys, and I would have been very happy to fly myself in for you guys. Uh, that's the truth, and I, and I think I communicated that to Holly. I said, you guys don't have to pay for my plane ticket. I would pay to come be with you, you know, because, I, I mean, I, seriously, I think you are the hope of the future, you know. I mean, I, I know there's something in you that's uh, ready to pour out, ready to lay down, ready to give yourselves as a gift to the whole world. So that, because there's power in the name of of Jesus, God, fully God, fully man. It's God's heart. And, you know, people don't know how much He loves them. That's the whole world, you know. Why is ISIS so unhappy? They don't know how much God loves them. <laughs> they don't even know if they can know how much God loves them because you can't know anything about Allah for certain, you know. <laughs> He's too other. And isn't there power in the name of Jesus that God became a baby? Boggles your mind. Fully God, fully man. How would you like to have been the parents of God? You know, like when uh, can you imagine holding God in your arms? Like I, you know, a, a few of you might be moms, but I mean, imagine the the incredible, mind-boggling uh, nine-month experience of being pregnant with God. Like, you know how, you know, pregnant, like, oh, no, he kicked, you know. He can't feel him moving, you know, like, you know, and, and just all that whole experience and then giving birth to God, nursing God. Isn't that, I mean, there's so much power in the name of Jesus. It's not only the cross. I mean, the cross is, of course, the center of everything. But it's just this phenomenon that God is so committed. His love is so total for human beings that he became one. And I think, you know, I mean, because Yeshua is kind of a common name among uh, the Jews of that time. And yet God picked that common name and made it the name above all names. He exalted him. Therefore God hath highly exalted him, given him the name above every name. Isn't that a trip? It's like Joe or Jim or Brandon. or But he took this name, the name of the only begotten of the Father who became 
who was begotten <laughs> first eternally of the Father, God of God, light of light, light from light, true God from true God. He was begotten, not made. And we can't think about this because it's non-sequential. You know, there never was a time when there wasn't a father, and the father wouldn't be the father without the son. You understand? It's like, <laughs> and and so, Psalm two. Today I've begotten you. You are my son. Ask me, and I'll give you the nations. And uh, it's just this massive, amazing love story of the son who makes the father the son, and the the Son who's eternally begotten of the Father and the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son proceeds into you. And so, you know, Jesus, the, God the Son had to be born again to become a human being. So He would be one of us. That's the power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. It's like, Why? Sometimes we, we say these like religious statements, you know, that we just get stuck on and we say them and God is so into it that he'll back it up even if we have no idea what we're saying, you know. Even if we turn it into a cliche, he'll still show up. You know, even if we spit and sweat and sell t-shirts on TV and stuff, he'll still show up. Even if you just have an out-of-tune guitar and you're on some, sitting under a palm tree someplace on a beach, singing out of tune, he'll still show up. There's so much power in the humility of God to show up. I mean, it's like no one knows how much he loves them. You know, and, and that's really the, the driving force of the gospel and the driving force of of holiness is that we know that God loves us all the time unconditionally with all his heart. And there's nothing we can do to make him love us more. Nothing. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. He doesn't love you anymore today when you're all nice and holy and radical and and ready to lay your life down than he did when you were doing drugs or in sin or anything like that. He loved you with all his heart at that time. And so the difference is that now you know how you have a better idea of how much he loves you. And the more we comprehend that he loves us all the time with all his heart, the more radically given we are to him. The more we host Him, the more He inhabits us. And that's what makes us holy. There's power in the name of Jesus. Oh. So the issue, and I love that song. That the, the I don't know if you were the one. I heard it in Kansas City for the first time. First we're going to fall in love, then we're going to change the world. I came home from that Kansas City circuit rider. I made our worship team learn the song and sing it. You know? And uh, because that's it. When we fall in love, what we're falling in love with is how much he loves us. 
We love Him because He loves us. We love Him with the love He gives us. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He pours the love of God out into our hearts. It's God's love. It's eternal love. Well, this isn't a very good introduction. I'm Charles. I'm a grandfather. I have seven grandchildren. I met Jesus 43 years ago. I was a snot. And <laughs> so I was a, a uh, arrogant hippie that, uh, you know, I was seeking for God in all the wrong places and, and tried just about everything but never tried Jesus. That's why I said I was a snot, you know, because it's like I don't know why. I had some bad impressions. And uh, there was a street preacher in Berkeley in the late 60s named Hubert Lindsay. And every, but I didn't know his name, but I knew he was called Holy Hubert. And uh, I was 17 years old as a freshman at UC Berkeley. And I came from a little uh, mountain resort town in the Sierras, Twain Heart. It's about 35 miles north of Yosemite National Park, 4,000 feet. It's a nice place. It's kind of like Lake Arrowhead area is here in Southern California. And a uh, great place to grow up. I met my wife there because she grew up in San Francisco and her parents built a second home to get out of the summer fog in San Francisco. <laughs> so we met when we were 14. <laughs> and uh, when I was 15, total sinner, teenage alcoholic, I'm walking down the street with my friend Pat Spear and we're talking about life and all of, you know, when you're 15, you just think you know so much. And, and, uh, so Pat said, who, who are you going to marry? And I said, oh, I'm going to marry Ann Michael. And he looked at me and said, you're crazy. It was a, God is in our lives before we know it, you know. Like it was prophetic. It was true. It was when we were 20, we ended up back in my hometown. She had spent a year living in kibbutzes in Israel and hitchhiking around Europe doing the hippie thing. And uh, I had decided I had gotten so tired of riots and and tear gas and gurus and uh, professors at Berkeley. I thought I'm going to go back up to the mountains and find God. And you know I was up there eating brown rice and uh, salvation by diet is so hard, you know. So like and trying to have good karma and all that stuff. And she showed up. And and came and lived in her parents' cabin, and so we read. We spent the winter of 1971-72 reading this book, autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, written by this guy in Encinitas. You know, Paramahansa. All these like George uh, John Lennon, George Harrison of the Beatles used to go to Encinitas. They had a little house farm right by the the uh, temple that's there in Encinitas and he would meditate. And uh, But Paramahansa, I'm going to preach in Encinitas two weeks from now. That's, that's going to be a joy. Because uh, he really, you know, of course he was a Hindu and all this stuff, but he, as we were reading his book, we'd read it, we'd read like a chapter and then we would do whatever it said. Each day we'd read it, just like Christians. And uh, But we weren't. But he, he, he said, pray this prayer that God would show you your way 
your guru. And of course, they think there's lots of ways. But, and, and then that he would reveal the teacher who would explain the way. So we prayed this prayer, and, and I'm like doing this extreme kundalini yoga, inhale, exhale, bend backwards, all this stuff. Don't it, you know, and it, it's kind of like popped you illegally into this prophetic space. And I, but I just was like out in this gray nothingness and Anne saw Jesus. And so she told me, she said, I said, well, did you get anything? Because I didn't. And I wanted to see like one of these gurus with a big beard. Swami Satchidananda was very popular at that time. And, and, and I didn't see that. I just saw nothing. <laughs> it was a message from God, I think. She sees Jesus and and when you're deceived, you're deceived. So I said, you know, I think that's just because you're an American. Let's keep trying. Oh, but God had mercy on us. And by the spring of the next year, um, some Christians had helped us fix our car, and I wanted to pay $2 back. I wanted to send it back to these guys because I was really into karma. You know, I had to have good karma. And Because uh, when you're trying to save yourself, you got to, you know, get your karma bank working for you. So the uh, the guy laughed at me, this Christian guy, and says, well, come, come to church sometime, put it in the offering. So I said, okay, I will, shook his hand. And on the way home, I told Ann, we have to go to church. She's like, what? I said, yeah, I have to put $2 in the offering so I can have good karma. So, okay. So we end up going to this church. You know, we didn't even know like what church to go to. But we found a church that had a meeting on Sunday night because I, I was a river guide and worked on the rivers on Sunday mornings, which was good because I would have stumbled over Sunday morning church culture. But we ended up getting in these meetings with these young people worshiping God. And, uh, and we would sing all the songs about God, never sing the songs about Jesus because I, I just thought he was a man. I didn't know he was God. And so we would hum Jesus. And, uh, and there's a lot of funny stories about that. But, but I was drawn by the tangible presence of God. I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was a good natural high. And so I would, it, we would be standing up. There weren't any chairs. And I would find my way, like by the second week, yeah, they were real friendly and um, you know, and I kind of, I had been witness to a million times, so I kind of knew how to like wiggle out of, out of the, the fishing <laughs> hook, you know, <laughs> that, that's a lure, <laughs> let it go. So, but some there, like you're really stupid if you don't want to get saved and you're in this worship meeting, you know, so, but I don't know this, I'm just waiting to, and they never took an offering. And so I kept. But I got hooked on the feeling of this great natural high while everyone was worshiping God. And so I, I scooted my way over to the guitar player. I didn't know he was the worship leader. You know, I didn't know Christianese. And, and so, and he's leading songs and, and, you know, cause I could feel it stronger closer to him. And so, do you see, people are looking for, God, even though they're intellectually shut off to God, it's the presence. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I'm, 
I'm getting there. <laughs> and and he's singing, and then he started, and I just hum the Jesus lines because I don't want to have bad karma and be a hypocrite. And But I worship God, you know, God, the God I don't know, but I believe exists. And, and uh, so then he starts singing words I've never heard before. You know, he didn't sing Shala Bada Ha, but something like that, you know. And it was way better than that because he's a great musician. And, and he just starts singing this beautiful song in this language I don't know. And all the other people start singing in this language I don't know. And I think this must be an ancient Hebrew mantra or something. And so I just start singing Shandala Bada Now, you know, <laughs> there might have been Jesus in there somewhere in an angelic language. And I didn't know it. I just thought I was, you know, improving my karma bank. And uh, so I got, I was already in the Holy Spirit before I was saved, you know, like just in those moments. And I want to tell you, when you're out worshiping in some dark place, the people around you are being brought into heaven. We were, that was the last song we were singing that. You know, heaven come. It, you're the delivery system. Sometimes we're thinking heaven has to come externally. Heaven is inside and it just... There are rivers of living water in your bellies. And so, so I'm getting... Oh, man. Well, within about three weeks, I got, you know, I got down on a yoga mat and I... I said, Jesus, I don't know why, but I've never tried you. So if you'll show me you're real, I'll follow you. This is May 1972, 43 years ago. And uh, so we went, so we go to church again. Because now we're hooked on the field. In fact, we're trying to get, there's a bunch of hippies living in this house. We're telling them, you guys should come. It's a great natural high. Don't worry, you don't have to be a Jesus freak or anything like that. And, and uh, so we go to this meeting now, because I called Ann. She was at her mom's house in San Francisco. I told her I'd prayed this prayer. And she said, I can't believe it. I prayed almost the same prayer this morning. She said, Jesus, I'll, I'll try this. Because she had actually in high school been invited. This is like in 1968 or something. She had been in, or 67. She was 16 years old. She had been invited to some meetings in Oakland by this crazy guy. She's like walking walking around. She was probably walking to Haight Street because she lived about a mile from Haight, the Haight-Ashbury. And she would go there and sell newspapers, oracles, prophetic. The guy who published the San Francisco or the Oracle, which was the kind of Haight-Ashbury, what's happening now, baby, newspaper, became a Christian later. You know, it's like, we're far more, God is involved in the lives of the lost. They just don't know his storyline. They have their own storyline going in. It's an inferior storyline. They don't know how much God loves them. So she says, so she had been invited by this crazy guy out of the window who yelled at her some prophetic thing. And she's like, oh. Uh, he was a kid, you know, he was like a 15-year-old kid, but he was kind of mentally unstable. <laughs> and, uh, 
And he had gotten saved at Shiloh Temple in Oakland, which at that time was meeting in, in Violet Kitely's living room. And so she went with him, gave her life to the Lord, and then uh, and would spend hours in the presence of God. But it was only for about three weeks. Then summer came and her family went up to the mountains and all her brothers and sisters were taking LSD. And so she kind of forgot. So now we're back in these Christian meetings. And she, at her mom's house, so she knows what more of what's going on than I do, but at her mom's house, she says, Jesus, I don't know if this is real or not, but for the next six months, I'll do everything like a Christian. I'll worship you. I'll follow you. <laughs> and so she kind of gave, isn't God humble? Like you don't have to say just the right words or even, like he's willing if you take them on a trial basis. Taste and see the Lord is good. <laughs> and so, so, so I call her. She tells me what she's praying. We're like, oh, this is so amazing. And the next time we're back up in the mountain, she's back up from her parents' house. We go to this church meeting. And uh, they're singing this song. It's an old song. He's the Savior of my soul. And the lines say, my Jesus, my Jesus. So we're both there. And this is like our first time ever. We're going to not hum the Jesus line. And we sing, Jesus, my Jesus. And I had the sensation that warm oil poured right over from my hands, down over my head, down my body down to my bare feet. And I knew. Ah! He's real! <laughs> Isn't God humble? But the power was in the name of Jesus. The power was in that name that God became a man so He could... So we could, he entered our world so we could enter his. He became the Lamb of God who took away all the sins of the world so that the whole sin issue is not a block to the desire of God that every human being would know how much he loves him all the time with all his heart, unconditionally. Every single person. All those ISIS terrorists, think about Saul of Tarsus. You know. it's, a, it's a power of the Holy Spirit that lets us know how much He loves us. So, oh Jesus, I just want to read this. I'm, I'm, my topic is the Holy Spirit. So when I worship Jesus, where was the Holy Spirit in that? Well, the Holy Spirit was the tangible manifest presence of God in those meetings when we were worshiping. Where was He coming from? Was He coming from, you know, far, far away beyond Pluto? Or was He just coming? Was He just pouring out of the this mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory? Was He pouring out of the carriers of His presence who had gathered together and who were 
worshiping Him, which is the activity of heaven. And in that, He comes and inhabits the praises. But it's the, it's this person of the Holy Spirit who is causing unbelievers to feel something wonderful and be attracted. And I just, I just love it. It's, isn't it good news? It's good news that in our incompetence and our simplicity, that as we love Him, as we just host His love for humanity, we love Him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, which is how He loves us. He's not commanding us to do anything different than what He's doing. And then we have this capacity that we get so filled with heaven that when we see other human beings, we love them with the same kind of love that God loves us with. And we love our neighbor as ourself, which is how God loves God. The Father sees the Son and says, Son, I see myself in you. You are the perfect expression of every thought I've ever had. And the Son who is the Word says, Father, it's such an honor to express You. And they just kind of are in this ecstatic state of pure love. Then they come and live in us. The more they inhabit us, the more we're present in... When I say they, I don't think there's like multiple gods. I just know there's multiple persons. St. Patrick explained the Trinity to the Irish, the pagan Irish, by using the shamrock with three leaves. He said, look at this. This is one shamrock, but there's three leaves. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is community. And it's why as humans we can never express the full image of God alone. It's why it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. He had to be... We have to be in a community. Do you understand the potential of 7 billion human beings? If, if the Spirit of God converted every single human being, like really converted us, and we were so filled with the love of God that the whole earth was full of the glory of God, every human being loving like God, every other human being and all creation, creating a download zone for all the solutions of heaven to come into the earth and solve every single problem and heal the whole planet. And all creation is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God so that it, which has been subjected to futility, not of its own accord, but because of us, gets liberated into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, so what is, what I, I'm trying to be on the subject of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is the, the one who reveals all this to us. I love this verse. This has got to be like one of my new life verses. You know, I'm, like I've been reading this for 43 years and still verses pop out to me. You know, like every few months I'll get a new favorite all-time wreck me verse that I never saw before. How could that be? I don't know. How can it be <laughs> that I should gain? <laughs> anyway, here it is. Now if I can find it. Romans. It's Romans 15. May the God of hope. Hope is a positive vision of the future. 
that it's going to get better, not worse. If you think it's going to get worse, that's called dread. And then we just say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, get us out of here before it gets even worse. But we're not saying that. We're going into the places that are the darkest and the worst to bring heaven into the places that have been taken over by the inferior storyline that God is mad or that man is God or that there is no God. All of those are inferior storylines that keep people from being fully human and we're going in to those places with the simplicity of love, the simplicity of worship and His presence, the the simple gospel. Hey, you know you're... You're not experiencing the full life that could be yours. What's the key? The key is that you know how much He loved you. What's well? How how do I get that? Oh, well, there's a door. Jesus said, I'm the door. And if you come through the door, you'll go in and out. And you'll find pasture. You'll experience life. You know, I mean, it's just... It's so simple, but so mysterious. And, you know, no one gets convinced by the debate. They get convinced by this this amazing presence of the Holy Spirit that falls on people, that causes them to hunger for that for which they were created. It's like deep calls to deep. Okay. So, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, and some translations say, and all peace, all joy. Now, the enemy of all is not none, it's some. See, sometimes we, we just, we, we tone it down from all to most or all to some. I have all power, all authority in heaven and on earth. And if we think, well, most of the time, that becomes that that takes away the grandeur of the goodness. So may he fill this is a prayer. May he fill you with all joy and all peace in believing as you trust him. Now listen, why? So that by the so that you may overflow with hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Some translations say so that you may, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound with hope. See, this is the work of the Holy Spirit that you're always overflowing with hope. That you're filled with all joy and all peace in your belief. So when a, you know, when you're in a situation where your faith is illegal, it doesn't change a thing that we're care- that we're filled with all joy and all peace all in believing all we have to do is trust it i like the word trust almost more than belief because belief sounds like something i have to actively do like i'm trying, i'm really working on believing but trust is so childlike I don't know why. It just is. All joy and all peace in believing as we trust Him. 
So that by the power, this is the power of the Holy Spirit, that you overflow with hope, which is solutions, which is a vision of a better future, which is a vision of, you know, that... You know, perfect love has drowned all your fears. Okay, that's one of my favorite verses. So I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And I have this amazing message here, and which I don't have to get through, so don't get worried. But you see, the heart of God is, hey, I just got a text from Jason Upton. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> So, uh, anyway, hey Jay, we're doing this. We're doing this retreat together in September. Not we're we're not the presenters. We're going to a retreat together. It's a fun fun thing to do. But you know, this hope, this overflowing hope, this power of the Holy Spirit, is God's gift to all of us through Jesus, the God. The human, fully God, fully man. That that as we see what it's so important for me to understand that because He wants to fully possess me. He want, like I will never be uncreated, but I'll be completely filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. In this world, I am like him. And so are you. See, he didn't... It's really interesting. You know, in, um, this is a, a verse. He wants us to be clothed in the love of God. He wants this love of God, this power, this ability of God to be so on us that it changes the reality that people step into as they come into our presence. Just a, a couple weeks ago, I was in the in Philadelphia area, and I, I've been going to this sports doctor because some, I've had two different surgeons tell me they want that I should get my left shoulder replaced, and I just have a different conviction. <laughs> I said, not, not anyway. Maybe I'm being stubborn or maybe I'm having faith. But um, and it, for 10 years, yay, I haven't had this. So anyway, I found out about these sports stocks and, uh, and that do some more kind of natural therapy. So I've been going to see this young doctor. I really like him. And I figured out he's a Mormon, even though he's never said he's a Mormon. But he talks about the man upstairs, and he grew up in Utah, and... and uh, and every, and I have on my father's family side, you know, my father's, all my father's ancestors came to Utah in 1850. What, his mother's family from Edinburgh, Scotland, his father's family from Port Elizabeth, South Africa, they were English. But, and they, they ran into something that caused them to have a vision for heaven on earth and they sold everything or left everything. The ones in Edinburgh just left everything. They were quite wealthy and went to Utah for a false gospel. Now, just think. So I just sanctify it and say, God, it's in my blood to give up everything to go after that one thing. And so, um, so anyway, he's there and he's chatting with me. 
And so this time I saw him, it's the third time I've seen him. I see him like maybe every three months or something. He just checks up on me and I'm doing better. And, and he's, a, he's got three kids and he just did a half Ironman. And, uh, and so th- this time, and he found out I was a minister, so that's why he always uh, talks about God. But this time I, I'd been with him. He, he was doing some things and I went in this other room and, and I thought, God, you know, he hasn't brought up God this time. And so I asked myself this question, have I been present in your presence? Because see, if I'm presence, present in his presence, then his presence is radiating out of my presence. So I, I just asked that question. If I'm present in his presence, I'm the delivery system of heaven. So as soon as I think this thought, he walks into the room and he sits down and he goes, hey, you're a religious man, aren't you? Now, sometimes, like if my neighbor said that, I go, oh, no, I'm not into religion. I've got a relationship with God. But I knew he's looking for an on-ramp. I just thought, am I present in your presence? As soon as I think that, I am present in his presence, you know. So he walks in and goes, you're a religious man, aren't you? And I said, well, you know, I have... My life was radically changed by an encounter with Jesus Christ about 43 years ago, and it's just been amazing ever since. And then he says, well, do you ever feel, you ever just wonder if it's real? Perfect question! Oh, my goodness. And I just, and so he's there and he's doing some, Treatment on me, but every, like all these totally amazing, tantalizing verses are just coming to my mind, flowing out of me to make him hungry to have a living relationship with God, you know? And so, that it, it, and, and I said, oh, and by the way, you know, I, I brought, I, I wrote a book and I brought it with me today and I, I even had filled it out, you know, to, to him, written a, a little message, and I said, I'd like to give it to you. Perfect timing. I'm just saying, you guys, you're carrying this presence with you wherever you go. But sometimes we get, if we get worried or if we feel condemned, then we, we're not hosting the full glory of his presence. This is holiness. Behold the love the Father has lavished upon us. We behold it. It's the beauty of God that He loves us so much. It transforms us that we would be called the children of God and that's what we are. Beloved, now, now, not after we die, now we're the children of God. The world doesn't know us because it didn't know Him. But in this world, we are the children of God. And it says if we have this vision, this hope, we purify ourselves. It's an internal holiness experience. <laughs> okay, so he, that, I, I better, I'm having too much fun here. I just, I just want you to have confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit on you. Miracles, signs, and wonders are byproducts of the presence of God. 
where, you know, a miracle is normal in heaven. At the more you host heaven, the more those things, they just happen around you. And it's like, so Jesus put it this way. Luke 24:49. Now he's already come, he's already appeared to he's been risen from the dead. He's he's breathed on them, said receive the Holy Spirit. Luke that's in John, you know, maybe the sequence of events I have a warped view of it or something like that. But Luke 24:49, he says, but I don't want you to go out just yet. You know, you know John. John uh, 21 is my favorite version of the Great Commission. As the Father is sending me, so I am sending you. That's our commission. We're sent in the same way the Father sent the Son. We're sent as ambassadors of the love of God. We're sent to change the storyline of the whole world. One person at a time. Or in large groups. (laughs) But then in Luke we get this, like, but wait, don't run off. Behold, I'm sending you. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So he's saying, don't go out there naked. But you need clothing. You need to be clothed with power from on high. Now, isn't that amazing? Like, do we have our power suit on <laughs> not like like because do you understand he wants to clothe you he wants to clothe you with power that comes from a higher dimension he wants to clothe you with this power this radiant creative power of god so that when you walk into a city the radiant creative power of god is there and if people, you know, if, if you meet with persecution, you meet with resistance, that's just because they rejected him. But you're offering them what he is, clothed with power from on high. It's the ability of God, the dynamis of God. And, you know, God loves to clothe his children. He, when Adam and Eve sinned, before he sent them out of the garden, they tried to clothe themselves in fig leaves. Not so good. He gave them these beautiful skins to wear. How many think if God did it, it was pretty good? You know, so like, like He clothed them. He made garments of skin. Now, I just I love that thought that God becomes a tailor. You know, so He's going to sew up these lovely leather clothing for Adam and Eve. But He's got a better clothing for you and me, which is power. From on high. I just, it's just crazy. Okay? And because we all, you know, sometimes we worry about what to wear. Like I thought about what should I wear this morning? I actually had a nice shirt and I didn't wear it because <laughs> I said, oh, I'm in Southern California. I'm with a bunch of young people. I'm just going to wear what I was wearing for breakfast. <laughs> but see, he said, don't worry about what you wear. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Don't be anxious about what you wear. But he said, wait, don't go until you have your clothes on. Power from on high. You want to be clothed in 
divine ability? Yes. Okay. Now, um, and you know, it's just the father's heart. When the prodigal son came home, you know, the father said, come on, get him a robe. Give him the best robe. He wants to robe you in power. Now, I think we just need to stop here for a moment, partly because you've been sitting too long. Stand up. Close your eyes. Helps your imagination. But before you close your eyes, look at me, okay? Put your arms out like this. Now, and you're imagining that you're being, a robe is being put on you. In fact, you could put your arms up like this if you want, because maybe so you can get the sleeves on, you know. Okay? So now, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to put the robe of power on you. Okay? This is what he likes to do. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you personally for how good you are. I want to thank you for the honor of being here with these amazing young lovers who love you, who love humanity. Oh, none of us want to go out naked. We want to be clothed with power. So right now, would you just put robes of power? Just pass them out. These fiery robes of power. Just go ahead. Now, just let your imagination picture this Amazing, living robe of divine creative energy, fire, is being placed on you. It fits you perfectly. Thank you, Lord. Let the power clothe us. This divine ability, capacity, Increase our capacity, God. Jesus, thank you. This is the power in the name of Jesus. This is God and Right. Well, now, guys, you maybe you ought to, if you like the person next to you, you kind of give them a hug or something. You know, just like let those power suits uh, just. <laughs> whoa! If your power and my power <laughs> come in, come together, it gets pretty intense. Oh my goodness! Okay. Woo! Let the electricity go. So this, this being clothed with power is like the, the, should we take a break now?
Do, do, you don't break. You go, keep going. Okay. All right. Good. I just saw some people. I probably had to take care of a few things. But, um, you know, it's like when we get clothed with power, this is like now, you know, the Holy Spirit is pouring the love of God out into our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he's leading and guiding us into reality, into the true storyline that God has for you, for your life, for this planet, for every human being you come in contact with. Because what is internal becomes a lens for our perception. So as I'm filled with the, with the spirit of truth, I'm filled with this this infinite, uncreated, unconditional love, I start seeing life completely differently. I see a person completely differently. After Jacob wrestled all night with God, when when he came to Esau, his enemy, who for 20 years, Jacob was probably thinking, oh, if, if I ever see Esau again, will he try to kill me, you know? And he gets the message, he's coming with 400 men, which... If you look through scripture, there were always 400 was like the number for an army. It's always like if you look up the 400s, they're always like band. David was with 400, you know, and, and so he's coming and, and Jacob sends all these gifts out to him and Esau is like, I don't want your stuff. I have my stuff. Now this is a parable of the son who has the blessing of God on him and the son who feels rejected and doesn't know if his father really loves him because he gave his blessing to the other brother. You know, so sometimes have you ever been around people that just resent you because you're a Christian? I have a lot of relatives, you know, that are um, new age and Rama Lama because, you know, we're Californians, and and I so my and they're all they're Buddhists and you know they're doing their yoga and and all all that stuff and so my goal is not to win an argument, but to host a superior presence. Now, not superior like I'm having a contest, but just that they would say, you know, there's some. So Esau, when Jacob just gives him gifts, benefits, he says, what's all this stuff? And Jacob says, well, this is the blessing that I've had and I want to share my blessing with you. And Esau says, keep your stuff. I got my own stuff. Sometimes we want to share the blessing with others but they don't want to receive the blessing because they think, I don't need your blessing. I've worked hard. I've got my own stuff. Have you run into that? Yeah. So then Esau says, not Esau, Jacob says, please, my brother, for when I saw your face, it was as if I was seeing the face of God. Now, he's just come out of an all-night encounter wrestling with God. And he's recognized, I saw the face of God and lived. And now he says to Esau, when I saw you, it was as seeing the face of 
this is what an encounter with God does with us. So we start to see the image of God in, our, in the people around us. The people that know Him, the people that don't. The people that love us, the people that don't. And when He says, please, my brother, when I saw your face, it was as seeing the face of God. Esau said, okay, I'll receive your blessing. I just want, you know, may God <laughs> so fill us so that our internal reality becomes his internal reality, that the, the lens of our eyes is altered by continual encounter with his love, kindness, and presence that when we see people, we're not, we're not just trying to give them gifts, but we see their worth and their value. That's the greatest gift. They, they, like at that moment, Esau felt loved, didn't he? Like, oh, anyway, just a thought. Okay, keep going here. So the whole point, the whole point of our message is love. That's the whole point. I love, carry the love. <laughs> You're carriers of the love. And uh, it's, you know, Paul wrote to Timothy, you know, the, the end of the commandment is this, King James, love from a pure heart, a clean conscience, and sincere, unfeigned faith. The message puts it this way. The whole point is that we're urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith, a life open to God. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He's the translator of divine love. Romans 5.5, 5, the Holy Spirit is pouring the love of God into human hearts so that the love of God get ex expressed through a human medium, which is what the incarnation did, and it continues with you and me. Like, so as you go, you're going as an extension of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It's why it's such an honor to be a martyr. Like, being a martyr is not something we have to like, oh, I don't know if I could do it or not. Well, that's the wrong approach. The approach is, I'm going to love God in every circumstance. And if the time comes when my love for God takes my life, I want to give my life as, a, as an offering, a drink offering to God, but also for the people who hate me. That, I mean, do you understand? Jesus became the Savior of the ones who crucified Him. You know, it's like, this is the love we're carrying. It's so amazing. Anyway, He pours it into, the fruit of the Spirit is love. As I'm rooted and grounded, I stay present in His presence. All this fruit comes out of me, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. I think it has eight flavors. <laughs> Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, which is also faithfulness, self-control. I left a few out there, but you got the idea. Anyway, the, 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 so... How do we get the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit comes upon us. This is how, this is how the incarnation occurred in the first place. You know, Mary said to Gabriel, how can this be? Like, I, I, what you're talking about makes no sense to me. And he says, <laughs> and I, I mean, and no one knew this. Maybe Gabriel had a script, you know, like if she asked you this, this is the answer, like, 
What does that mean? Just say it. Okay. So Gabriel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born of you will be called Holy, the Son of God. Do you understand? Gabriel may not have known what this meant. I mean, you know, but he says it and she says, Okay. (laughs) Be it unto me. According to your word. And, and he tells her, when uh, I left this office, he said, there's no word of God that doesn't have the power to perform it. You know, every, so this is, it's, so I need the Holy Spirit to come upon me so God can conceive in me something that is a solution to all of the agony of the world. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So how did the Father, the Father sent Jesus. It required a teenage girl to say, okay, and have the Holy Spirit come upon her and the power of God to overshadow her so that the salvation of the world could come forth. Maybe it's the same with us. So, so this happens. So they wait. They wait. And on the day of Pentecost, which was the same day, according to uh, rabbinic tradition, that Moses received the law on Mount Sinai, the Holy Spirit was poured out. One was, you know, the, the laws of God written on stone. The other is going to be the love of God written in hearts. And, the, and when, when Moses was getting the law of God written on stone, the Israelites were sinning because it was taking so long, came down, saw the golden calf, big problem. 3,000 people were killed. On the day of Pentecost, the love of God gets poured out, blasts those people in the upper room. They're so blasted by the love of God that they don't know what's going on. <laughs> Tongues of fire and fire coming and clothing them and they get up and they, you know, and they're making a big noise and people are coming all around and it's nine o'clock in the morning and people are amazed and they don't know what's going on. And some think they're drunk because they're just acting crazy. And, but here's what the Holy Spirit did. He gave them the capacity to speak to the heart. He gave that now. Uh, um, this is Acts 2, verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, this sound of the rushing wind and these people making all this noise, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own native tongue. So something happened when the Holy Spirit came upon people that they began to communicate things they didn't even understand in a way that penetrated to the heart of these people. These were people from all kinds of nations. There's at least 14 listed there, and there are probably others not listed. And they were these guys were just speaking in tongues. They were making noise they didn't understand. They were shandarabadidiabaruka. And but everyone there was hearing God say to them, When I saw you, I saw the face of God. I love you and I've always loved you and it's unconditional and it does, I, I love you with all my heart. They were hearing that in the language they heard from their mother while they were nursing at her breast. I mean, do you get it? It's like 
This is what the Holy Spirit does when He comes upon us, that He will cause us to translate what we're wanting to say into a language that will penetrate a heart. It's the capacity to speak to the heart. So how is it that we hear each of us? You know, aren't these... They were astonished and amazed. They said, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they hillbillies? How is it that we hear each one in his own native language? And so, and then not only does it speak to their hearts, but of course they start thinking they're drunk and all kinds of stuff. And verse 14 says, Peter standing up. So he's not standing. I don't, he's rolling around on the floor or something. I don't know what he's doing. He lifted up his voice and addressed. Now this is Peter who, you know, had denied Christ three times, you know, a couple months earlier. And now he's filled with boldness. And he addressed the crowd. Now the word address the crowd is the same word as the Holy Spirit gave utterance. Like this isn't prepared. It's just coming out of him. And it's not coming out of him because he's such a great Bible scholar. It's coming out of him because he's now clothed with power from on high. There's this creative capacity that has come upon him. The burning love of God is filling him. And he just starts talking. And he's communicating God's heart. He says, these men, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Because that's what, you know, they've thought. And God said, I just want to clear one thing up here. This party is not needing alcohol. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then he connects the dots. This is mind-boggling. In verse 16, he says, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That's everybody. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old, young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Ever, even on my, and you know the verse. I'm going to pour out my spirit and they'll prophesy. Do you know? Like it wasn't like Peter was spending time preparing this message in the upper room. Like, well, let's see, the day of Pentecost is going to come. I need a good sermon. What could I get there? It's just popping into his head. Like, oh, it's it's the prophet Joel. And do you know, I mean, later in the book of Acts, it says the high priests were talking to them and they noticed they were ignorant men. They weren't highly educated. God brought something to Peter. He connected the dots. Peter, here's what's going on. Just let it flow. This is the power of the Holy Spirit on you. Okay, so... Uh, Yay, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'll show signs and wonders. And before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone's going to get free. Everyone's going to be, like sometimes we don't understand, salvation from from a Hebrew point of view is like they their picture was slavery in Egypt and then they were redeemed. And he's saying everyone is going to be 
No longer be a slave to fear. He's going to split the sea and you're going to walk right through it. He's going to drown your fears in perfect love. And even your children, your sons and your daughters that you're worried about and you don't know what's going to happen to them, they're going to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of the love of God, and they're going to prophesy things that are to come. They're going to be filled with hope and vision. And even old men, they're not going to be dreading like, oh, what's going to happen? The Roman Empire has been ruling for a thousand years. What's going to go on? No, I'm going to give you visions and dreams of a better world. I'm just saying, it's like, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you believe in Him so that you overflow with hope, which isn't just a happy feeling. It's not just like generic optimism. It's a confident expectation that God has a solution and that the future is better than the past. And it doesn't matter what kind of laws are passed or what Supreme Court decisions get made. It doesn't even matter because God's got everything figured out ahead of time. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to connect the dots and have a message of hope. And you're going to carry the presence of God. Oh, so he's talking there. And he's telling him, you're going to be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he's not just talking about coming forward and filling out a little altar card. And those are all wonderful. I love it. I never get tired of someone being saved. Two weeks ago, I was preaching on a Sunday. And at, toward the end of the sermon, I wasn't even finished. This guy ran up and threw himself on the, on the ground right in front of the, where I was preaching, and then he crawled up. There's these steps. He crawled up on the step. And I thought, and he was an addict. He's 43 years old. And he wanted to get saved. And he, he had just gotten out of rehab, and, he, and he's weeping. And somebody, so I can finish the sermon, someone's working with him, and he's so happy. He says, I'm so happy. I have stage three cancer. I know God can heal me, but even if He doesn't heal me, I have never felt this kind of joy in my entire life. And He was just glowing. And He said, I've gone to church before. I've gone to church a number of times through the years, but I could never get saved. I wanted to get saved, but I couldn't. And there was that moment, you know, so I just, I never get tired of that. But I want you to know, God's salvation is so much bigger than that moment. It's, it's giving people a life that is the life of freedom and purpose beyond that moment of entrance through the door. I love the door. I love He's the way, the truth, the life. You know, no one can come to the Father. So, what else is happening with Peter? And, and then he goes, he gets into this whole thing about men of Israel. Here are these words. Jesus Nazareth, a man attested to you by God by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. And you yourself know this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, meaning that they used the Romans to do it. But God raised him up. Isn't that amazing? What they did caused their own salvation. <laughs> God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David said, I saw the Lord always continually before me. Do you get it? Like suddenly Peter's this Bible scholar and all these verses are just flooding through his heart. 
I saw the Lord always before me. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And therefore, my heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh will dwell in hope. You have made known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 answered It was a sign. I mean, that fact that there were 3,000 was a sign to the Jews that the law was over and that grace had come. If, you know, for the, they got it. Okay. So I think we have to stop there. But here's the thing. Every one of you, every one of you, God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then on a daily basis, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like It's such a privilege to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we know we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Because we're overflowing with joy. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. John said, there's one coming after me. He's, I'm baptizing you in water. He's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The same way you get totally soaked and dunked and immersed in the water, you need, there's a time when you get soaked and filled and immersed with the Holy Spirit. When I was a young Christian, I didn't understand that. I'd go to these meetings and they'd say, well, if any of you want more, uh, something more, talk to us. And after the meeting, we'll pray for you. And it, it was Christianese. They all knew what it meant. I didn't know what it meant. I thought... God's God. Like, how could I want more than what he gave me? You know, I was really happy. I was saved. And this old uh, 80-year-old woman named Myra Cluett, and she's talking to us. She was a a hilarious little tiny, you know, veteran Sunday school teacher. And she thought we were cute. She gave us her picture. Then later she asked for it back so she'd give it to some other new young hippies that got saved. And so (laughs) Myra says, have you gotten the Holy Ghost? And we said, um, I think so. You know, like, I don't know. I think we got everything. What is, what is, she says, well, you would know. I said, I would. She said, yeah. Do you speak in tongues? Now, I had, I had, you know, sung in tongues, but I thought, well, not really. She said, well, you need to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And suddenly, I, I'm connecting the dots, and I realize in the meeting when they're saying, hey, if you just want more of God and talk to us and we'll pray for you afterwards. And, and so I suddenly I was on a mission to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the next week I told them I wanted to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they gave us some books. So I read the books. They were kind of over my head, but I read them because I was brand new. You know, it's like I, I read the short ones. And uh, so the day's coming and I'm thinking tonight they're going to pray for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I went to the lake, at the Twain Heart Lake where I grew up where you know, all the teenagers would go in the summer. It's summertime. And, and I'm really, I'm fasting. I'm trying really hard not to sin all day, like not to do anything. I'm just thinking like, I don't know how this works. i got to get it. I'm after it. So I'm fasting that day. No one told me I had to fast. No one told me that I had to not sin all day. I just made it up myself because it seemed like I wanted God to know how much I wanted this. And on top of that, I did my best to 
to get some people saved that day. So I swim out to the raft in the lake. I'm witnessing to this friend of mine from high school, telling you know, and he doesn't get saved. And I'm frustrated, and I'm thinking, oh no, I don't know if I'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't lead anyone to Jesus today. And I'm, you know what? God just thinks it's cute. He just goes, oh, look at them, man. They're just like little babies trying to figure out how it works. So that night they prayed for us. And, and I said, Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, ready, I'm already in love with God. I'm already, you know, sharing my faith with people. And I'm already, like, I stopped swearing, like, the day after I got saved. You know, I just lost a big part of my vocabulary. And, and I knew I was saved, you know. But then... We got married, you know, like a couple of weeks later on the summer solstice, which had been our plan anyway. But so then we weren't living in sin. And and uh, and so our life, my life was already changing. But I'm really like, God, what's going to happen? How's this going to work? You know, so I, I'm really praying. And so they go in and they say, just pray. Lord Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And. And then just wait. And so then they laid hands on us, and they, because in Acts it says they laid hands on him, said receive the Holy Spirit, and they, and in Acts it continually the people started speaking in tongues. Now I know once in a while there are people who are you can they are totally filled with the Holy Spirit, and for some reason they don't have this gift of speaking in tongues. It's not a requirement, but it's the normal sign I think of of that and why wouldn't we want to you know <laughs> it's like if we if it, when we speak in tongues we declare mysteries when we speak in tongues we um, give thanks well like just declaring a mystery something that is a reality of god that's unknowable by the human mind that's worth it that giving thanks well because that's the gateway into the presence of God. I'm speaking in tongues of men and of angels. And, and, uh, and then James says we build up our most holy faith. We're actually creating a structure in our lives to contain the reality of the revelation that God's giving us. So I just want to stop here. And encourage all of you, number one, if you've ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you stay filled. And you be conscious of it. Like, God, am I present in your presence? Is your presence filling me? Am I shining? Is, is the radiance of your glory you know, coming out of my eyes, dripping from my words? But if you and and we want to speak to ourselves in songs and hymns and spiritual song, it's the alternative to getting plowed. You know, don't get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but get filled with the Spirit. It's like it's a, it's a good high. <laughs> he actually likes it when we're tipsy, you know. So the uh, oh, and people do too. They say, "I want some of what you're drinking." Living water. That if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you want to be, you know, if you just uh, this morning we'll pray for you or I'll be here again tomorrow. We'll pray, you know, any time that's the right time for you, we'll do it. But the power, God just wants to give you capacity for the awesome mission and the destiny that's on your life.
Amen. Amen. So why don't just stand up and raise your hands. Close, you can close your eyes or you can look at the ceiling, whatever works for you. Could we just say, Holy Spirit, come? Fill me. I want to be filled. I want to drink you in until you're pouring out of me like the rivers of Eden. That in my presence would be fullness of joy. That people would be refreshed just by coming into contact with me. Oh, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me until I'm overflowing. Oh, just let it come. Let it come. Holy Spirit, come. Come, come, come. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Maybe if the, I don't know if the band comes up here. If you want to, you can. It's like, I just feel the presence of God. It's so strong. Spirit of God, just flow, just flow, just flow, just flow, just flow. And I want to make an invitation. If anybody's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, just come to the front and, and I'll pray for you. Others will pray for you and, and you'll just, you'll get blasted today, you know, so. Because God, it's a gift. It's just a gift for you. And, and it's a, not just a gift for you. It's a gift for all those thousands of people that you're going to impact in the rest of your life. So just Spirit of God, come. Come upon these radical world changers. God, just fill them with your presence and your power. Overflowing with love. Overflowing with love. In Jesus' name. Go ahead, just put your hands up like you're going to receive power from on high. Oh, I just pray, Spirit of God, your fire would fall. Your fire would fall. Your fire would fall. Your fire would fall fall here today that your fire would fall. That it would come upon these fiery lovers, that they would become fire starters all over the world. God, that they would light others on fire, that they would start a great fire of revival in the earth, God, of restoration. Uh, God, that they would, they would just release this living fire, this holy restorative fire that would bring back, bring back Men and women to the storyline you've called them to. Right? And I, I just felt the jealousy of the Holy Spirit this morning to break out of denominational boxes He's been placed in. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is not a charismatic doctrine, right? He, he's the third member of the Trinity. He's God manifest on the earth, living inside of us. I just felt the joy of Him breaking out of every box and going, don't call me this or call me that or not this or not that. Guys, we're living in a day where all believers will cry out for the Holy Spirit. We're all believers. It's straight Bible. And we are lovers of truth in this room. Are we not? Are we not? And we want truth. And I just thought to myself, my goodness, the breakthrough on the college campus is is one inch away in the power of the Holy Spirit.
come on. The breakthrough in the city is one inch away in the power of the Holy Spirit. And likewise, it's a million miles away without him. Is it not? It's a million miles away with human ideas and human ambition and, you know, good ideas. No, we want the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit. So can we just say it again with that just resonating in our hearts and minds? We're taking all boxes off of him today. We're taking all boxes off him today. Can you imagine where does the father look down on the earth and find a people who want him as he is? Most places only want a part of him. They only want him in a refined way. They only want him in ways that are comfortable to them. How often can the Holy Spirit look down on a room and go, my goodness, they want me as I really am. They want me in all the fullness of who I am and all the ways I come. They want me just as I really am. I want this to be one of those rooms. How many of you want this to be one of those rooms? Can we just tell Him, Holy Spirit, we want you. We want you.